Montana is the first US state to ban TikTok on all devices, including personal ones, casting doubts on the app's future. I'm Lee Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we predict that enforcing the ban and keeping TikTok out of users' hands will be a daunting challenge. Doing great, Grace. How's your week going? It's going very well. Um, a lot of things happening as per usual, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, how about you? How's your week? Yeah, going? yeah. Everything's going great. Uh, we were just talking a moment ago. Um, it looks like uh, Pilma is kind of like wrapping up, and uh, hopefully, we'll have some news and updates from people who attended. I can say I heard very good comments. It seems like Ken and his team are bringing the goods, and people are are satisfied and not surprised. Right? They do a very good job and provide very valuable content. So felt that it was a good opportunity to mention that. And aside of that, Grace, being very busy, of course, needless to say, the AI news have really kept us all entertained over the past few weeks. And I think it's a good place to probably get us started there, right? So just to kind of like go very quickly through the developments that have recently passed. So last week, Google put up a new version of BART, their AI bot, their answer to ChatGPT. And now all from the sudden, we have something that people can say, all right, this is about to get good because now we have something that we would have expected from Google. Before we get into how good is it or whether it actually lives up to the expectations, um, I'm really interested to hear, Grace, What have you heard? Have you tried using it? And what are your thoughts in general about where are we standing with the AI world? And, and I also want to throw in there something that we've not yet talked about, which is the letter of leaders and tech uh, CEOs and uh, humanitarians asking for a pause on AI development for a period of six months. So that's a handful and you can start wherever you want. I'll start with the playing with it because you know how I feel about new developments and trying to break them, right? So uh, with that being said, yeah, I uh, I took a look and I did actually sit through the entire Bard release from Google. Directly. Oh, really? I did. Yeah. Um, because it was so interesting. You know how I feel about yeah. AI in general. Mm. So I I was a little, you know, a little saddened by the fact that they didn't come out with guns a blazing like they should because <laughs> it's Google. Yeah. Um, but I am a little happier with what yeah. they've developed. Um, however, back to the coding aspect of things, because that is what I personally care about when it comes to their comparison to chat GPT. Yes. Um, and that is the accuracy of code. So as a developer, I prefer accuracy over speed. So while they have been able to prove that they can be quicker now, 
I mean, almost instantaneous. I tried it out with Python code, developed me this in Python, and then I also fed it some other code that I had to say, can you make this more efficient, this code, knowing what the efficiencies were that I wanted out of it, I already mm-hmm. fed it that way. So it was mm, close to being accurate, but it wasn't 100% accurate, which is a huge problem for coders, obviously. Um it was instantaneous almost though. That was pretty nice to see because as a developer, sometimes you just want to spit something out at something and be like, just give me some basic code and I'll run through it. Like it's not meant to replace my brain, but it is meant to assist me in development and assist with what I'm doing. Right. And it did do that and it, it did it very quickly. So depending on what variables you're looking at, it is definitely an improvement no matter how you look at it. Right. But other variables with regards to accuracy versus speed, they're way faster. They almost instantaneous instantaneous compared to chat GBT, which takes, I mean, it does take yeah. somewhat of an environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I do, I did notice that as well, Great. So obviously from a user standpoint, didn't went to the back end of it, but I can tell you this, right? You're very, very right. Well, ChatGPT kind of like has this uh, framework where you go in, type something in, to be very honest, window or a page that feels very kind of like old school, right? It almost kind of like takes you back to the late 80s when you would do MS-DOS and it's kind of like the the, the dark screen and, and, and you would be writing kind of like code basically to get commands out. It kind of like has a little bit of that vibe, right? I get it that it may... you know, be focused on simplicity, but it does feel a little bit kind of like I'm interacting here with an interface that it's past our times. But, and then, and then it's that thing, right? It's the experience of you type something in and then kind of like it takes up, you know, it depends because they, they are transparent about it. It's depending how busy we are, how quickly we process and whether you have a paid or not account. And then it kind of like process the command and then it starts kind of like writing it, right? It, you can see how the text it starts populating, right? With Bard, you don't see that. Bard is basically the experience of Google search. You go in, you write something, you wait a split second and you have, a, a, you and right under the, the textbook where you wrote the command, the full page populates already, all text, everything ready to go, right? Now, here, here are my, my three cents, and these are just mine. I, I, I cannot speak here and in, in, in generalize and say it's good, it's not good. The things that I did not like about BART are that I, because I communicate in a very bilingual way, I use as much English as I use Spanish, it is not rare for me to write things in both languages. I could use both languages in a paragraph. Now, ChatGPT, if I would send something that has both languages for it to be line edited, it would respect both languages. It will keep both languages in. Bard is not doing that. Bard is actually detecting the first language in and then adjusting the rest of the text to match that one language. So... I don't like that because it doesn't take into consideration people that use both languages simultaneously. So that's one and a very important one for me. The other thing is that you've probably noticed that, you know, Bard is kind of like, oh, you look at us, right? Like we're going to, instead of just give you one option, we're going to 
put right in front of you three different versions of that command so you can preview how we process the same command in three different ways. And I think that's very cool. But what I don't think it's 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 helpful is that it, you don't understand like okay what's the what like how do I what I how can I understand what's the difference between this one that one and that one without actually having to read everything right I think what would be amazing and, and I would say this same for ChatGPT and for Google is that if you could create right different tone tone of voice if you can create different writing styles if you can create different parameters and get for get the tool to always, always create and process your commands in those under those guidelines, that would be amazing, right? Because one of the hard things here of leveraging AI and ChatGPT is that you need to get very, very specific in order to really get from the initial result you got into polishing it up to become something that you say, now, this is it. Right. And to get there, you had to put several commands in, send several prompts. And the reality is that even if you were to say, okay, I'm going to keep up those prompts and I will always follow this process, it's not accurate every single time. So it would be fantastic if you can kind of like do the fine tuning on kind of like an editorial guideline template and then apply that every single time to be able to pull that up and say, I want it in this style that I've created, this. And that is where I can see this tool where you have the three different options coming up being extremely effective because you could already have up front, hey, here are the three different styles that you use the most and here you have them all showing up. So that's kind of like my criticism to Bard. Where do I see them that they really, really have uh, uh, you know, uh, an edge over ChatGPTs that they've already introduced uh, voice to text, which obviously, you know, that's kind of like one of the most painful things of ChatGPT is typing the prompts, but if you can just speak the prompt, then it becomes way more convenient. And I think Google understands that they had to put up something that is more aligned to what we expect. There's a lot already going on about how Google is integrating it with their juice with the G Suite type of uh, applications. So they are really looking at how you can go from dictating something verbally into creating something. And this is something that we actually talked. We gave this example here in the podcast, which was creating a spreadsheet without actually having to type zero formulas, just dictating, creating a slideshow presentation just by saying what you want the slide presentation to be, right? Um, they seem to also be right in the space of generating images and all that stuff. So I think it's going to be very, 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 very powerful, okay? But here, here is here is where Alan my commentary here on 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 Bard and ChatGPT. I don't think Google's gonna have its full impact in the space until this is not something that becomes embedded in two particular platforms. One is Gmail, and the second one is the search result. Well, Google Search. In Gmail, I'm just I'm just counting the minutes, Grace. The minutes for a plugin to come up that will draft my response, my replies to every single email that I open up on my inbox. Because at this point and with the technology that we already have at our hands, it just doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense that we are still typing emails. It doesn't, or at least not in the form that we've been typing them. Like there is text, a prompt, and I'm hitting reply, which means process that prompt and create a response. 
And the fact that that's not yet out there, it's telling me these guys want to figure out how they can monetize on this, okay? And the other thing, the other thing here that I'm thinking of is the search results page, right? I mean, until BART doesn't become functional in a way or another in the search network, where it's where Google sees most of its users coming to every single day, uh, along with YouTube, it's not gonna be fully functional. And here, here it's, they're not going to be fully fully competitive and here's another thing that i noticed and this is this is a real thing that we've talked about before in other conversations like the importance of being first to market because right now even though i am just like you kind of like a google chrome user by default everything is everything is google right like g suite gmail everything even though I'm that mindset, I'm already used to using ChatGPT. So I'm not using Bard because I'm already used to ChatGPT. And for me to really make the change to Bard, it has to be something way more compelling. And I already gave you the reasons why I do not like the way that Bard responds to my prompts. But I think disregarding that, you know, as long as the experience is more or less comparable, users have already built an habit and that's where they go to. And that's exactly that's exactly what Google's done with Google search for all of these decades. It's just leveraging the power of habit that people have built with just establishing Google as a search engine. It's just, I don't think about it. I don't want to even stop to think, to learn about other options that are out there because it, it's not a problem that I have. I, I'm not looking out for for things that are you know that can do similar things that ChatGPT can, right? As long as you're doing the same thing, you're not interesting enough to me, even if you're as good as, because you have to be much better. And and you know, I, I Google kind of like deployed all of its fan base to the social networks to say, oh my God, ChatGPT is coming to an end and blah 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 blah. And it's really blah 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 because it's probably not going to be moving the needle much until we start seeing some of these more significant functionality things coming up. Great, I'm sorry, I took very very long time with my rant, but I love to hear what you have to say. Not at all. I mean. <clears throat> Just to take it point by point, because you packed a lot in there, and it's true. I mean, every component of what you've said, as you and I both know, with marketing, it's first to market and use, right? Habits. So if people are used to habits, they're going to continue with those habits. And to speak to that, I mean, even further is ChatGPT came out for everybody's use. And if you were a developer, you grabbed it and you ran with it as soon as they gave the last version. I did that. And so what you were speaking about just now and saying that you would like Bard to provide you with informal, formal, yeah. you know, like different styles, there's command line code that I use in chat GPT that allows me to do that side by side by side. Yeah. I already created that. I had that because I was allowed to use the service for free and then paid 20 bucks a month recently for the resource allocation so I could load the server up with whatever I wanted. And I've been doing that. So 
I know before we started, you were asking, what are some things that you've done? Well, the very most recent one was telling my content coordinator to create meta descriptions using ChatGPT. And I told her to go to Bing and use the Bing search bar to create those meta descriptions because it's so simple to do. And exactly like you said, what happens? People are used to using Google. Unless Bard is incorporated as part of the search console or part of their search, they just recently deployed it to everybody instead of this yeah. wait list mm -hmm. thing that they had put in. So that's a big problem. That's a huge problem for Google because Microsoft was first to the table. And even further to that, I just recently, within the last few weeks, uh, was privy to Microsoft presentation on something called Copilot. Copilot is deploying ChatGPT to everything. So exactly what you were talking about, it would read through everything I've got. It would spit out information. It would spit out replies. It would tell me what I did for the day, what I have tasks that are due. I mean, this is already in beta and it's been released to like 20 or 40 companies so far. I am waiting with bated breath for that because I am a Microsoft company. So the moment that's released, my productivity will increase significantly because now it's being everything and it's all integrated with my calendar. Like I cannot be any happier. Yeah, 100%. So while I think it, all of us kind of like got, you know, like when with all of these Mario Bros movie thing being so relevant nowadays, you know, like when when you've got like the mushroom or or or, or the flowers and you got like kind of like a superpower, that's what ChatGPT has done to every every human being that 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 works in in using digital uh tools, right? It kind of like gave you that superpower that allows you now to just be way more effective, way way, way faster at doing certain things. What you're saying there, Grace, is kind of like the final thing like that's that would be like the star like just getting getting that star that gives you the superpower that you're just nothing can stop you and i think that is what we are all waiting to start seeing both from microsoft and from google to become more available because then that is going to be very 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 efficient right now the whole idea of having to copy paste go take it into chat gpt or bard give to it context because giving it to it context is, is half of the amount of time that you spend in chat gpt is probably most of the time that you're spending in chat gpt is trying to create context so that the tool understands what do you need? Who is it going from? Where is it going from? What things they need to be taking into consideration? And if they are able to, as you've said, just understand where you are, where is the information coming from? Who is it going to? It's already there for them to scrape. And so I think it's going to be just super, super game changing because you're, you're really going to be left to just kind of like make editorial decisions. And that's it. Um, Grace. So that's AI. And of course, it doesn't stop there. As I said, I did mention here kind of like a letter that says, hey, guys, how about if we put a hold to AI development for six months? And, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm just going to say this. The, the more I thought about it, first I thought like, like, wow, you know what? Leaders, right? Finally. And then I thought about it a little bit more and started to hearing a little other perspectives. And it feels like, okay, but we're, how exactly is this going to be regulated? Like, who's going to put the stop? And, like, who's going to stop the kids who are playing with this in home setups, creating the next biggest software company that we will ever know? So 
how exactly is that going to happen? And, and the second thing is like, it also felt that it had a lot of an agenda there, right? Like some companies that are kind of like, oh, we're, we're a little bit late in the game. So why don't you, why, why don't those who are leading at the front just, just kind of like gives us some room to catch up. And for that reason is that it felt not very, you know, relevant to, to, to do so. But with that said, I do think, I do think that AI should not go through the same route that social media went, that it just got completely unregulated and it still is not regulated. I don't think we should make that mistake with AI. I, I do think there needs to be some guardrails and those need to be put up sooner rather than later. I'm not, I don't know if it's a stop. I don't think a stop is going to do anything, but certainly um, some regulation makes a lot of sense to me. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so actually we did discuss that during the the meeting yeah. about Copilot and ChatGPT yeah. with Microsoft directly because we are a law firm, right? So those are mm -hmm. considerations that not only we have to have, we absolutely have to have in place before we can touch anything, especially with the idea that you have to feed context, which means you have to feed mm -hmm. client data potentially to a system and that could be shared with others, yeah. which cannot happen, right? So um, in speaking to them about Copilot, they're already yeah. understanding of the yeah. privacy concerns. <laughs> And so they were like, yes, of course, we completely understand. We have layers upon layers of privacy, you know, particularly since we understand it with Azure web services, we understand what the uh, possibility of problems with hacking and, you know, I mean, all kinds of things, yeah. right, that could happen. So with all those considerations in place, they are aware of it and they are, your data is going to be your data, at least with ChatGPT. Again, at the moment, everything is being shared with everybody. So that is one of those things that you cannot spit out data or put things into a system that you are not 100% sure of yeah. when it comes to data, right? Because you're sharing your data with everybody. Yeah. So it needs to be non-identifiable, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's especially now, like when we were talking about Google Bard, we don't we don't know if Google is indexing that information, right? And and and, and probably they are. And, and here is the thing, like... One of the biggest differences between ChatGPT and Google Bard is that Google Bard is connected to the internet live, right? It can actually gather and pull up data from right now. And so when it's when it's ChatGPT, it never really felt that threatening because it's like, well, but this is like kind of like based on data from two years ago. And like if it cannot pull up data from nowadays, like what is it gonna really what harm is it that I'm actually feeding data to it? You just don't know. Like it's a it's a great area. It's a gray area. The, what you're saying reminds me of uh uh, I, I saw a tweet, I don't know, a few weeks or a month ago of someone who, who it was kind of like a meme, but it was real. It was real screen captures of someone on TikTok saying like, I'm going to feed uh, ChatGPT the first chapter of my book and see whether it can help me create the next uh, books, right? And so that was kind of like the 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 thumbnail of, of the video. And then uh, it was kind of like right after that, next to it, they had... Uh, the same creator had another video created and the thumbnail was um, why you shouldn't provide <laughs> chat GPT your content, <laughs> your original content. So I don't, I mean, again, I don't know if this was an intentional meme that was designed for it to be like that, or there's a real lesson in there, but like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I just wouldn't be surprised if your data is not necessarily protected as you are teaching a machine learning language model to uh, use your own uh, voluntarily provided, provided information to learn 
other stuff, right? So it was, um, yeah, it's it's funny. But again, that as you say, regulation, it, something needs to be there. And then, of course, there there is the, the more scary and 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 the catastrophizing conversation about the, the robots are going to take over. I mean, the reality is that we are seeing here that. Machines are becoming smarter, 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 and then there, there's this that kind of like the Terminator scenario. And I, I'm I'm not one to say that it's likely unlikely, but it would be nice to know that there are some steps, uh, that some measures in place that would, at all extents, prevent something like that from ever occurring, right? Because as we know, machine learning, machine learning can get can learn from good uh, practices and from bad ones. All right. Grace, I want us to shift over because there's two other things that I think are worth including into this episode. And that is very relevant and ties very nicely to what we are here talking about, regulation and tech and such. And I don't know if you heard about this news, but just recently, Montana, the state, decided to ban TikTok at a state level. And I think this is really interesting, Grace, for many different reasons. Number one, it is not very clear, right, why Montana is banning TikTok. We know out of a, you know, general consensus conversation at a, at a national level that there are concerns about data privacy when it comes down to TikTok. And there's also a conversation that is uh, very widely talked about, which is, you know, how social media platforms in general, TikTok including, affect mental health. And so we don't know what is this ban supporting. Maybe it's one, maybe it's the other, maybe it's both. But here is the thing that really I find it kind of like dystopian. And that's that the ban kicks in on January 1st of 2024. January 1st of 2024, which is seven months away from right now. And it's like, why would you give so much runway for the ban? And what, like, why, why in 2024, January 1st, it makes a lot of sense for this ban to come into effect? It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like telling a kid that is behaving badly that he or she needs to stop, they're going to have a consequence three days from now, right? It's like kind of like it, it just do, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I <laughs> when I heard this, I just about my brain kind of exploded because I was like, why? How? What other information? I don't understand. Yeah. What are they going to block it by IP address? Are they going to block it by like residence? Like, how is this going to even work? Because like the implications and the amount of regulation that's going to have to be efforts that are going to have to be put in place to try to monitor whether this is happening or not is quite massive. But the thing is that the ban comes from the app stores where the app can be acquired, right? That's really what the ban's going to do. It's like you're not going to be able to go to the Google App Store or to the Apple App Store and download TikTok. Now, you know... Whether the access to the actual platform from local networks is going to also get banned, we don't know much about that. But then there's VPNs, right? Like, you know, there these, these are things that consumers easily access nowadays. So 
Can you really do something with that? Like, is, is there really a way? What if I travel? Exactly. I mean, I go to Florida and download the app and then go back to Montana. What's going to happen then? <laughs> exactly. So there's ways. Nonsense. And so, you know, I think it seems like they're certainly interested in sending a message and gaining some some attention. And, and I'm not saying that TikTok should not be regulated up to a certain extent as well. Because I do believe that the amount of information they're gathering of U.S. population and then sending it overseas potentially to nations that may be using that data against us is very real. But at the same time, I don't see how this isolated effort is, is going to do anything or move the needle. So I, I felt that it was interesting to mention that, but we will see. I mean, this could be one of those things that, you know, does a trickling effect and next thing you know by next week it's going to be 12 states and then more and then before you know a federal ban is not uh out of the question so we'll see i to me it surprised me up to a certain extent because i did feel and i even said it this week in another conversation that i did feel that the tiktok potential ban was cooling off quite significantly so I don't know. It seems like no. And the other one that I felt was interesting, I mean, not necessarily as revolutionary as some may jump into saying that it is, but breaking news, YouTube introduces non-skippable 30-second TV ads. Okay, so what does this mean? Well, it means that YouTube's connected TV platform, because it's very important to differentiate here, right, is now going to allow advertisers to go over um, a format that allows them to play a full 30-second ad without the user being able to skip. And it's not that you could not see 30-second worth of ads in YouTube at once before your content plays. They would still do it to you, but it will just be shorter ads of 15 seconds or it would be skippable after the first 15 seconds. So it is kind of like a move, but I think... YouTube is understanding that other platforms that are ad supported, for instance, Hulu, they're just using this, right? And they're and they're putting up a, a minute and a half worth of ads and allowing advertisers to have ads that are 30 seconds in there. And I think this is very, very appealing for a lot of the advertisers who are doing CCTV type of advertising, right? Law firms not excluded. Now, because there's a very, very big difference between what you can say in 15 seconds and what you can tell in 30 seconds, like story, the storytelling development is way more significant. Now, what I think here and what I liked about this one, Grace, is the use of how YouTube is using AI, okay, to adapting in real time the voiceover of the ad to be more relevant to the user who is going to be consuming the ad. And... This is something that Google's been playing with for a lot of time, and they've been doing it for other things, and they're good at it. They're good at it. But here is kind of like to give you some context as to what does this mean? What do you mean that they've the voice over AI? Like, what does that mean? Well, it means that what you're actually he seeing as an ad, the, the narrative, the narration that's coming, whether it's the whole or just a part of it, is going to be adjusted and created on the spot through AI-generated voiceover that's going to just tailor the message to be more impactful to you. I, you know, an example that comes to mind here is like when you're creating your campaign, 
you would provide, similar to when you do a pay-per-click campaign nowadays, that you provide kind of like different assets and then Google pieces it all together, depending who is the user that's going to get the ad served, right? So you create these many headlines and then you create all of these different copy that come into the ad and then you put up your landing pages and then you put up all of your extensions or assets and then kind of like Google creates the final search ad, the way that they feel it's going to be more relevant for the user. It will include some extensions, which headline is going to go there, what ad copy is going to end up being there in the body. It's going to be put together on the spot, a la minute. And this is basically that. You put up all different kinds of clips of your commercials, different types of situations, different types of headlines, different types of call to actions, and then room, everything gets put together, served to the user, also with a voiceover that's going to be relevant to their uh, particular search behavior, right? Because you can retarget, you can use you can use all of the leverage that you use on, on digital ads when you're doing connected TV. So you can actually segment your audiences and serve them ads that are highly personal. And I think that's what's very cool in here, right? Just for instance, Imagine that you've been really recently searching for how to make uh, a chocolate cake, right? And then you are two days later watching TV through your YouTube ad, if that if YouTube app, if that's what you're using for um, streaming TV in your home. And then all of a sudden, a Hershey's ads comes through that's actually mentioning on the voiceover for chocolate cakes. And then because of the assets that Hershey's has given to YouTube, they use an image or some B-roll of an actual chocolate cake showing up. You're like, this cannot be real. And that's when people go to Reddit and go all wild and they think that people are spying on them. And, and the reality is yes, a little bit, but not in the way they think. So it's very powerful and I think it's interesting to see kind of like Google start to adopt more traditional TV models and formats to, to its platform. Grace, I'm enjoying a lot of this conversation and I actually had one more topic, but we're not going to get into it now. We're going to save it for next time, but you better tune in because it's going to be great. It's going to be extremely relevant. It's going to be very, very, very highly re related to illegal marketing where this conversation may have been a little bit soft on that topic. But we probably can make some good takeaways that are more relevant for law firms. Should we try? Yes, definitely. <clears throat> and I'll use the, uh, you know, obviously, whatever you use, whether it's BARD or ChatGPT or whatever. One, of course, don't forget about privacy concerns because, you know, we are law firms and I'm talking to you guys as law firms. So remember that first and foremost. But secondly, use something. Use one of them. Try it out. You know what I mean? These are one of those things that... We tell people all the time to do this because there are things out there that can help, can make you more efficient, can make you more productive. And ChatGPT and BARD are just two potential solutions to do that. And, you know, you can feed things like meta descriptions, you know, tell me how to create a meta description for this blog post, you know, for Yoast SEO, things like that, that, you know, if you need any advice or you need any suggestions, feel free to ask us. You know, that's what we're here for. That's why we do these podcasts. It's to help you guys figure out how to be more productive, more efficient. And remember, our tagline is no, le you know, no bullshit legal marketing conversations that you should have, but don't. So, you know, feel free to ask us because we try these things out just like we tell you. And that's the whole point of this. You know, the takeaway is try one of these out. And if you're not sure where to start, feel free to ask us. Yeah, 
Yeah, I've actually graced. Uh, there is very fun things that I've seen lawyers do when it comes down to how to leverage ChatGPT, right? And they basically use prompts to, you know, put up complex terms, complex uh, situations and put up a, Trump, a prompt of explain this as if it was being explained to a child or kind of like give me the pros and cons so that, you know, I can make arguments about for or against. So when you're preparing for trial, you know, I mean, it's, it's things that you'd be surprised how great and useful they can be. I think a lot is being said about the downsides and then and, and the dangers of this and stuff. But the reality is that there's a lot to gain from that. And it ultimately is going to be on us. That's why we were talking so much about regulation. Um, great. So I like that. I think I'm going to make, you know, a very predictable takeaway number two, but I think it's important. Uh, diversify your social media presence. You know, uh, we don't know, just we don't know. And I know uh, TikTok is extremely entertaining and for many law firms nowadays, the preferred social media platform. But I think that one very, very important just thing for us to remember is that both Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube still carry massive amount of power when it comes down to the American general market. And so make sure that not only you're diversifying, but you're also investing time in these platforms and are also running paid campaigns in these platforms because they are significantly powerful when it comes down to uh, reach. Now, we have one last takeaway, Grace. And what do you think? Uh, so, you know, I think to add a little bit to your diversify your platforms in social media, um, don't just diversify in terms of the social media platform, but also diversify in advertising. I know that that's very similar to what you just said, but I, I think it's important to separate the two because people might use social media, but they may not do any advertising on it. So I think you do need to do advertising on it besides the boosted posts. And I think most of us know that by now, but I think there are some sole uh, proprietors that I've run into, that I've spoken to, that just don't know if they should even today. So I know that sounds kind of like maybe blows your mind, Liel, because I know that you're much more advanced on the marketing and, and things like that. That's what your agency does. But I run into a lot of people at like MTMP, even that were first time attendees that are solo practitioners that, you know, they're still dabbling in Facebook. They're still dabbling on Instagram. They might have a page. They might do some boosted posts, but they never really ever tried advertising. So get set up for it. But it's something that you should try if you haven't done already, because I got to tell you, um, you know, as part of what we're going to talk about next time that you were talking about the uh, conversion rates and all of that, I'll share some of uh, the information I have on our side about Facebook conversions. And it's still, I mean, massive compared to almost any other social media, um, even Instagram, even TikTok. I mean, oh, Instagram's part of Facebook, but I'm talking about just the straight up conversions and the capabilities for the demographics that we need to reach. We're mass torts, right? So for us, it's across the board. So Facebook has always made sense and will continue to make sense for us. It may not for you, but I would suggest trying it out because Facebook has such a wide touch on all the US-based people. And no matter what the age group, yeah. people are on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, a little bit again, kind of like to replicate that that power powerful uh, impression that you can be left with, right? If you are 
watching, uh, if you're Googling a recipe and then three days later, you're actually seeing your recipe created in front of you on a TV commercial in YouTube, that kind of like cross-platform impact is very, very impactful. And when your, your potential new clients are actually seeing you on the search results page, and then they're seeing you in Facebook, and then they're seeing you in a third platform, be that YouTube, be that LinkedIn, be that Instagram, be that TikTok, it's really impactful for them, right? Like it really makes you stand out. And that is, I think, something that um, you should 100% consider. It's not just about, okay, I'm going to do one Facebook campaign is you have to be across different channels and you need to be retargeting those users across different channels, okay? So that you can have a, a more impactful result as a whole. So... Grace, I really love this conversation and we'll have to end here. But as we've already hinted, we have a really good one coming up, especially for those who are doing digital marketing right now, thinking about doing digital marketing, have been doing digital marketing. There is a lot of insights. There's a lot of value in there. And we're going to be back with it in just a few weeks. So, Grace, thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. You too, Leo. Thank you. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.